before this episode of the Flex starts, just want to let you know if you're listening to this show on the Hotly podcast feed, they'll only be here for the rest of August. So if you want to get all of your fantasy football content for the season and beyond, head over to the Flex's Spotify, Apple, or YouTube podcast page and go subscribe there. Thanks. Welcome into the Flex, a fantasy football show. I am your host, JT Runke, producer and writer here at Broadway Sports Media, and welcome back to episode two. We're going to be talking about the five biggest questions I have coming up for your fantasy football drafts. Last week was the first episode of Bringing This Back, so if you're new here, this is a new show still. Bringing It Back here at Broadway Sports Media had EC3 of the Hot Lead Podcast on last week. A great episode. We talked about where you should realistically draft the Tennessee Titans offensive players in your fantasy football drafts this season. It was a really cool conversation, had a good time, so thank you to him. And if you haven't checked that episode out, go on over and check it out. It was a great episode. However, today, like I said, we are only about 10 days away from NFL training camp starting, finally. It seems like this offseason has dragged on forever with the DeAndre Hopkins uh, not signing yet, Dalvin Cook, he still needs to sign. It feels like we are just kind of stomping our feet in the ground, waiting for the NFL to come back. And it's almost here, 10 days away. So I have five questions today that have to do with either NFL training camp or just the fantasy football draft in general, and we're going to break them down here. So without further ado, let's just jump right into that. My first question that I, I have today is where you should realistically start drafting quarterbacks this year. And I think this is a very hot commodity topic that we haven't seen in years past. It's like, you know, on ESPN and SportsCenter, when they always rerun that segment of Field Yates or some other just like random fantasy analyst, and it's always like, you can wait to draft your quarterback. You don't have to draft him right away. Um, get the value on those quarterbacks, things like that. And it just feels like they, they play the same fantasy guidelines segment over and over again once we come fantasy draft time. But it doesn't feel like that is the case this year. I feel like they, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to revamp their fantasy football tips and tricks video segment that they that they put on Sports Center and everywhere else this year because like I said, it's just not the case. Because there are three guys in Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen out there. So I, I guess the short answer to it, and we're going to dive into it right here, is that there is no wrong spot to start finally drafting quarterbacks this year in fantasy football. And I'm going to break it down in, in two kind of ways. Let's say if you have picks 8 through 12 in your draft this year, if you're playing a 12-team, 10-team, anywhere in like the, the back half of your draft, if, if your goal is to be as aggressive as possible this year, there really is a case to be made that with your second pick coming back around the turn, you you have a case to take one of the top three quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Currently on the rankings, and I'm using the Ringer rankings, by the way, great site. I highly recommend their rankings. I, I tend to agree a lot with them more than some other rankings out there, but if you're if you're looking at their rankings, they have Jalen Hurts as quarterback one, which I don't necessarily agree with, but Jalen Hurts as one at the 25th pick, and then Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen as QB two and three, respectively, at picks 30 and 31. And if you are in the back half of your draft, 
and coming around the turn, you have a big decision. If you want to play aggressive and take one of those quarterbacks, you're kind of going to have to take them with your second pick because by the time the turn comes around, there's guys who are better situated there at, at some other picks that could maybe not be as aggressive as you and still kind of reach for those quarterbacks. And and why you would want to reach for these quarterbacks this year, those guys in the top three are really guys that on a consistent basis are going to get you over 25-plus points. I, I think everyone below that, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, just, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, those are guys that they, they do have the potential and the upside to get you over 24, 25 fantasy points, but you, you're going to have to kind of rely on the fact that there are going to be some weeks where those guys are going to be scoring 17, 18, maybe on a, on a good week of 21, 22 points, but they're, but they're never going to be consistently going over that 24, 25 point mark. With Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen, it's almost pretty much guaranteed that these guys are going to ball out week to week and get you 25-plus points. And for further perspective, taking one of those guys in Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, or Josh Allen is like taking a quarterback and getting a free extra flex player on top of it, I feel like. The average flex typically gets 8 to 10 points a game. And so if you have a Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, or Josh Allen who's scoring anywhere from 29 to 30 points on a pretty decent to good week, and you have the rest of the quarterback class making it to 21, 22 points, you're getting basically a free middle to low end flex player on top of your flex that you'll already have. Now, that's all in the eye of the beholder. Now, if you want to play your draft aggressive, like I am planning to do this this uh, this season, it, it's going to take taking one of those guys in the second round before your third pick is up to ensure that you're going to have one of those guys. Now, if you are in the first half of the draft and you're going to have one of the top six picks or so, when you come back around, you probably will still need to be aggressive with taking it in as your third-round pick, but there's also an argument to be made that your second-round pick could also be a quarterback. Now, if you don't want one of those top three guys, I think the, the, old, the old saying of keep your value, draft your quarterback later does apply. I think there is some upside guys in Lamar Jackson in Justin Fields with their running ability. But for guys like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, guys like those, you're looking at a fifth or sixth round pick. So there's no reason to really scramble to go get those guys in the third or fourth round. I think you want to roll the dice on a Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields. And not only that, you're kind of with Justin Fields, you're betting on him getting better in the passing game and Lamar Jackson you're just betting on him to kind of stay on the field and stay healthy for for most of the season Th that's where your aggressive play is going to have to be be made taking him in the third or fourth round trying to get him and then leaving some other guys to get just middle of the road players guys who are going to be scoring those 20 to 21 points per game so that's really what I have to say on quarterbacks this year. If you're feeling aggressive, I think that taking a quarterback in the second round, if you are in that situation where you're in the back half of your draft, is, is not a problem, and you shouldn't be scared to do that. 
But if you want to wait and try to get some more value to kind of replace the points that Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen are going to put up every single week, it, 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 there's a case to be made that there is some value there too. The second question I have for leading up to, I think, training camp. This is a more training camp designated question, but what to do with big names on bad teams. And what I mean by this is that these guys have been in the past, historically, top 10 to 12 wide receivers on their teams. And, and in fantasy, they have been guys who have been able to produce behind good quarterbacks. And this year, they have situations that are not looking too great or have a lot of question marks around them. And so what, what do we do with these guys? Are we still going to take them at name brand value? Or do we consider them taking them at a discount or kind of waiting on these guys? Because we know the value is just not going to all be there. And the first, I have four guys on this list here. Two, I guess we can wrap into one. The first one is Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. We'll start with Chris Godwin, who I think out of these four players still has the most upside. Now, the Buccaneers most likely have the worst quarterback room in the NFC South, which is undoubtedly the worst division this season. You can say what you want about the AFC South, but this this division is is by far the worst. And so Chris Godwin will have one of Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask throwing him the ball this season. And why I'm still kind of kind of okay with drafting him at where he's going, by the way, Chris Godwin's uh, ADP is the 56th player off the board, wide receiver 23, which in recent years, you would expect Chris Godwin to maybe be in that wide receiver 16 to wide receiver 20 range. But I think the discount is already built in to Chris Godwin's ADP right now at 23. Chris Godwin is still going to get the volume in this, in this offense. For the past three years when he's been on the field and he's been able to perform, Chris Godwin has gotten the volume. He has been the guy, the go-to guy to get all the targets. He doesn't run the big long routes that Mike Evans does. He runs the inside routes that the quarterback is going to find him on inside and try to get his yards after the catch, which is why I don't feel as bad about Chris Godwin as I do about Mike Evans. Mike Evans this year coming in at the 70th overall pick, wide receiver 32, I think has has a argument to be made that he should be even lower this season. Baker Mayfield in the past, if, it, if, if indeed Baker Mayfield is the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in the past has been known for the deep ball. But we've seen in recent, recent memory that both Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield have just declined as players in the deep ball game. And as we've seen a guy that has been so inconsistent like Mike Evans last year with Tom with an aging Tom Brady, I, I don't see how he can be any better this season than he was last year. And of course, if you used Mike Evans in your week 17 game, you are you are putting out a prayer. If you were in your playoffs and you were using Mike Evans, you're putting out a prayer because he had not produced for for a while before that game. And I think that's what people are kind of remembering Mike Evans for right now is that he has that potential and he's just not going to get the same looks that he did last year. He's, he's on the long side of 30. He 
has one of the worst quarterbacks in the league throwing him the ball. I just am totally out on Mike Evans this year. And even at that, I, there are a couple other wide receivers around him, like Hollywood Brown, who, despite also not having a great quarterback, who probably um, will be Colt McCoy, <laughs> he's, the, he's not going to be just your, your X-factor speedster guy up the field trying to make the big play. He is going to be the undoubted wide receiver one on that team. You also have a guy like Brandon Ayuk, who also kind of plays a similar role to Chris Godwin in that offense. There's other guys like even a Traylon Burks or a Jerry Judy. Like these guys are going to be the de facto wide receiver one that I would feel more comfortable taking over Mike Evans. The third guy on my list here is is quite an interesting one in Deontay Johnson. What do we do in the world with Deontay Johnson and for? for and furthermore, what do we do with George Pickens and that Steelers offense? George Pickens is the only Steelers wide receiver to score a touchdown last year for them, which is kind of an insane stat that, that, I, that I recently found out. And I, I dug into it, and what, what in the world is, are the Steelers doing with Deontay Johnson? Um, which is an interesting point to bring up because with everyone believing that George Pickens is going to be the wide receiver one and is going to take a huge jump this season with a guy like Allen Robinson, who who I think I get lulled into a, a false sense of hope every single year with him, but he's going to be the wide receiver three and still get his fair share of looks. You have Pat Fryermuth, who is an is upcoming great tight end in the league. You have Najee Harris, who can still work out of the backfield. Like, what is Deontay Johnson's role if he is not going to be a viable option in the red zone? And I, ju and I just don't really know what we're going to do with him. He is currently ranked just one spot ahead of George Pickens as the wide receiver 34 to George Pickens wide receiver 35. And even though I don't, I'm not crazy on George Pickens and I'm not buying into the insane hype that I think he is really not deserving of or and that he's getting I, I, I still think I'm going to take the younger guy because clearly if they're going to be using him in a way that gets him scoring the ball of course you want the guy who's going to be getting the, the end zone looks and I think that when it comes down to it Deontay Johnson in, until we see maybe in training camp or we see Deontay Johnson kind of come back to that form that that he had when in Big Ben's last season I just don't think he's worth any capital the final wide receiver and maybe the other one besides Chris Godwin that I probably have the most faith in is Terry McLaurin coming in at wide receiver 22 w what do we do with Terry McLaurin Terry, scary Terry has been a, a headache for a lot of managers and not because he's a bad wide receiver, but he's he's a phenomenal wide receiver who has just been given the short end of the stick. And the big question around him is how Sam Howell's impact will affect Terry McLaurin. And if Sam Howell is indeed the quarterback of this team, I am actually very excited for Terry McLaurin this season. Even though it, it may not be the best offense, you bring in a guy like Eric Bieniemy to be your offensive head coach. You try to build on what we saw from Sam Howell in the last game, where, by the way, Terry McLaurin scored two touchdowns in that game. 
like there's a lot to build on here but i get the notion that sam howell might not make it and it's and it's he doesn't turn out to be all of that and jacoby Brissett ends up having to play jacoby Brissett basically made amari cooper a top 10 wide receiver last season so i really don't have as much problem with drafting Terry McLaurin at his ADP at 54 wide receiver 22 as I do maybe Chris Godwin because I feel like the upside is more there than with Chris Godwin. The third question I have before we enter fantasy football draft season in the NFL training camp is who can outplay B. John Robinson for offensive rookie of the year? And this question I think is pretty interesting to me because it seems like we're already getting ahead of ourselves and kind of touting Bijan Robinson as this this far and away number one guy to get offensive rookie of the year, which is which is uh, probably fair. <laughs> like Bijan Robinson, I think may have the capacity to become the running back one this season, just because I think he's going to get the volume. But who else is out there? that may not get Offensive Rookie of the Year, but will we'll give Bijan a run for his money. And while the easy answer is Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think there's another running back out there who could really provide some fantasy value late in the draft if you're wanting to take a flyer. And I think that is the Miami Dolphins rookie running back, Devon A-Chain. Devon A-Chain, out of Texas A&M, was a very interesting prospect that I really liked last season. With an elusive rating on PFF of 93 and a yards after contact per attempt at 3.6, yards after contact being highly above average, and his elusiveness being right around where you want your running back to be, Devon Achain has the ability to finally be the staple running back of the Miami Dolphins. I feel like we've gone through the carousel with them, with a Chase Edmonds, with uh, Miles Gaskin, with... With all of these guys, Raheem Mostert, who could never stay healthy. And now we have Jeff Jeff Wilson Jr., who also has had his own injury problems playing with the San Francisco 49ers. Devon Achain is a young guy who will be able to carry that first and second down rushing load that I don't think we've seen a Miami Dolphin do in a long time. And why I'm betting on... Devon A-Chain to be one of one of those guys who is going to be contending and be in the running all season for Offensive Rookie of the Year because of this coach. I think that the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel has been in the league for, for quite a while now and has always had a really good insight into the run game of all his teams that he's been on, whether it's been all the way back with the then Washington Redskins or the San Francisco 49ers or anyone like that. And now with the Miami Dolphins, I feel like draft, the, drafting a guy like Devon Achain is finally Mike McDaniel's answer to fixing this Miami Dolphins run game. And especially with how Tua played last season, it's going to be very important for Miami to establish a run game. And with Devon Achain, I would not be surprised if this is a guy who finds his way from week two or three, taking over the job from Jeff Wilson Jr. and becoming the back for the Miami Dolphins. Now, Devon Achain currently is ranked as the running back 40, pick 113. So it's, he's not going to go undrafted. However, he's going, 
in those later rounds, and if you're looking for a guy who has a lot of upside, Devon A-Chain is your running back guy. The fourth question I have, and this is a quick one because I feel like it's just something I have to say as like a, a general rule of fantasy. Who are some of the safest players in the draft to benchmark around? And by benchmark, I mean who are guys that I can set my my drafting guide to know that if I like someone, I can try to be more aggressive. But at the end of the day, if I have to take someone to play a running back two or a wide receiver two or a certain position in my roster, I feel comfortable drafting them. And the first one is going to have to be old, reliable Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, for three or four years now, has been a consistent wide receiver, too. And I don't see that changing, despite Jackson Smith and Jigba's involvement this season. Because Tyler Lockett has been the go-to red zone guy for the Seattle Seahawks. Three, three years ago, scored 10 touchdowns. Two years ago, scored eight touchdowns. And then this past season, scored nine touchdowns. So if you're looking for a wide receiver, too, who is going to get the red zone volume that you're looking for, now, his his middle-of-the-field game might be taken a little bit by Jackson Smith and Jigba, but as we all know, Tyler Lockett doesn't like to run after the catch anyways. Commonly trying to find the ground and take himself out of the play with the ball before anyone can lay a tackle on him. So if you're looking for a wide receiver, too, who you're trying to get a little bit more scoring potential out of, Tyler Lockett's your guy. And if you're looking for a running back in this new age of zero RB who will be able to get you kind of the volume that you need, it has to be James Conner. With a current ranking of running back 22 and a 48th overall um, player, I think we're still underrating what James Conner can do. With the likes of J.K. Dobbins, Damian Pierce, and an unsigned Dalvin Cook above him, I feel like we're kind of underrating what he can do. James Conner might be remembered last season for having a disappointing start with Kyler Murray there. However, when Kyler Murray went down with injury, James Conner became the offense, scoring 20 points, 11 points, 18 points, 17 points, 15 points, 18 points, and 11 points in his last six games. All double digits that we had not seen from James Conner before him. And what is going to happen this season? Kyler Murray is going to miss some extended time. And this, this, and this offense has to run through someone. And I think James Conner is going to be a main focal point of that entire offense. With guys like Colt McCoy being the quarterback this season, they're going to rely heavily on their run game. And the final question, still focusing on the running backs. Who are the running backs that are looking to get an upgrade and get a massive load in the run game and still do nothing with it? And I find this one fascinating because I have three potential options here. The first running back that I think is just not worth the hype is Alexander Madison, who is now pretty much in line to become the running back one of the Minnesota Vikings. And why I say this is because while in limited sample sizes, we've seen Alexander Madison put up ridiculous fantasy points, basically, as a backup. Alexander Madison is not ready to do that on a game-to-game -game basis. We're also forgetting how important Dalvin Cook was in the receiving game. Alexander Madison, last season, never had a receiving grade per PFF 
above six. And if we're expecting Alexander Madison to be the running back one in that offense and be a potential top 20 option at the running back position, I mean, you have to have at least a little bit better of a receiving ability than Alexander Madison has. So I'm pretty much out on Alexander Madison. The next running back that I am just not hopeful on, despite getting more of the workload, is Rashad White. Rashad White came in late last season after Leonard Fournette was having his struggles and was dealing with injury and kind of came in and did the same thing that Leonard Fournette did, but at a less efficient rate. I'm talking he had 129 carries for 478 yards, which is good for a 3.7 yards per attempt. Only sc- was only able to get into the, t- to the end zone once and fumbled twice. If we're looking at his receiving game, he did have a lot of targets, but after the catch and during his usage, he wasn't great. He had 50 receptions on 56 targets for 290 yards, which is good for 1.13 yards per route run. We saw what Baker Mayfield was with Christian McCaffrey, basically making him as inefficient as Christian McCaffrey has ever been. And we're expecting Rashad White to put up receiving numbers to make him at least an RB2 with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. I I just can't buy it. The last running back that I just want to touch on real quick, because I, I, I do believe that they can be a viable running back for fantasy this year. However, at the current ADP they're going, I just think there's better options, is Najee Harris. With guys like Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, and Jameer Gibbs right behind Najee Harris, I would rather have those guys instead of Najee Harris because of one simple thing, which is the receiving game. All three of those other guys are going to be wildly more involved in the receiving game than Najee Harris will be this year or ever has been. Now, Najee Harris is going to get the volume. If you're looking for a volume guy as an RB2, I think he's a great option. The running back position has become, with a few exceptions, I think like Derrick Henry, has become so dependent on running backs being able to have success in the receiving game. I think also outside of maybe like Josh Jacobs, like Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry are maybe the two outliers. But besides that, I don't think Najee Harris fits into that conversation. And in order to be a sufficient running back for fantasy purposes, you have to have the receiving volume that I just don't think Najee Harris is going to get. And that's going to do it for the flex today. Thank you all for listening. I hope some of these guys are on your radar now before we get into truly assessing our draft boards. And now you can make your own rankings instead of just kind of taking what the, the major guys have out there at face value. You can now kind of shift these guys around and I hope some of these names are some that you haven't heard about or really thought about and now put that into perspective once again we'll be back next Saturday with a brand new episode probably previewing training camp and other things and so excited to keep the fantasy content coming for you here exclusively at Broadway Sports Media and with that we'll see you next week